April 7, 1994. FedEx 705, a DC-10 carrying freight, is climbing through 19,000 feet 20 minutes after takeoff when someone bursts through the cockpit door. Armed with weapons, the intruder begins brutally attacking the aircraft crew with an intent to kill. The crew, caught unaware and now badly injured, struggles to fight back and maintain control of the plane to keep it from crashing. In the end, who finally gains control of the plane? Find out on this episode of Black Box Down. All right, everybody, uh, welcome to this episode of Black Box Down. As always, uh, I'm Gus, and I'm here with Chris. Hello. And uh, we're here to uh, talk about one of the more interesting incidents that I think uh, we're going to cover this season. Before we get to that, though, I just want to remind everyone, if you do enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you get podcasts on and leave us a rating and uh, tell a friend. That would help us out. Yeah, maybe when you're the next time you're on a plane, just like tap the person next to you on the shoulder and be like, hey, do you like plane crashes? <laughs> <laughs> I, you'd be, do you like plane crashes? Because I love plane crashes. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, let's, let's listen to one right now. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> So uh, today we're talking, like I said, uh, about FedEx 705. This was not a, um, a commercial aviation flight. Obviously, you can tell it's a FedEx flight. And uh, so it's, it's a little different in that respect. You know, FedEx uh, actually operates a ton of aircraft. I mean, you, I'm sure if you're ever by an airport, you see FedEx planes landing and taking off all the time. And, you know, they just have so much freight to ship. And uh, it just so happens this incident was on a FedEx freight plane. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the day of the incident, the three members of the flight crew entered the cockpit and they found someone already sitting in the flight engineer station. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't that uncommon. Uh, the person who was sitting there was a FedEx employee, and, you know, and FedEx employees could hitch rides at regular flights. Uh, it's a term that they call jump seating. Uh, however, you know, it's a big breach for the passenger to be interfering with flight operations. Well, so, so this is just a normal flight? Right. It's just like a FedEx freight flight. They're just carrying a bunch of FedEx packages. Okay. But there's no like passengers though. It's no, just... No, no passengers. Just, okay. just those little FedEx boxes. Okay. So the flight crew was actually three people. It was uh, Captain David Sanders, First Officer James Tucker, and Flight Engineer Andrew Peterson. And uh, so this person who was in the plane with them was uh, a guy named Auburn Calloway. He was uh, riding just as a, you know, in a jump seat. You ever see Castaway, Chris? Uh, yeah. Remember how like yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks gets in the plane? He's like, now he's not part of the crew. He's just like getting a flight. Yeah. That's exactly what this was like. You know, he okay. was just another FedEx employee who was riding on the plane. Hopefully uh, this ends better than Castaway. Yeah. Unlike in Castaway though, uh, Callaway had ulterior motives. He was no Tom Hanks. So what oh. he was doing when, when the flight crew walked in, like I said, Callaway was there in the cockpit. What he was doing was he was turning off the cockpit voice recorder. He had, oh. uh, yeah, he had popped a breaker that supplies it power. That way it wouldn't record. And he was hoping that nobody would notice. You know, and the cockpit voice recorder is part of uh, the black box. You know, there's two devices that are considered the black box, the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder. So the cockpit voice recorder, like the name implies, uh, is there to record all the audio in the cockpit. And uh, back then, the, co- the CVR, the cockpit voice recorder, only recorded about 30 minutes of audio. So it's like it would rewrite itself every 30 minutes, you know? So uh, eventually that, that later got changed. Nowadays, I think it, uh, the minimum is two hours. But back then, 30 minutes is what they used. So uh, even though you know, they walked in and they found Callaway messing with the instruments, the crew didn't say anything about it. You know, they knew he was just a passenger. So Callaway got up and moved to the jump seat and strapped in. And uh, with him, he had a guitar case. But what the crew didn't know was that inside the guitar case were two claw hammers, two sledgehammers, and a spear gun with a spear, as well as a knife. Oh, my God. So uh, the plane took off from Memphis International Airport uh, a little after 3 p.m. And about 20 minutes into the flight, as they're climbing through 19,000 feet, you know, everything's going normal. And uh, all of a sudden, Callaway bursts into the cockpit 
and he strikes the flight engineer Peterson and First Officer Tucker with a hammer. Captain Sanders is quickly aware of the situation. He turns to see both men slumped over. Uh, Calloway swings his hammer at Captain Sanders, who lets go of the plane, you know, and does his best to defend himself, you know, but he's still hit several times. Peterson and Tucker both suffered fractured skulls. And in fact, Peterson had a severed temporal artery. You know, it's like that artery that runs up your neck and the uh-huh. temple to the top of your head uh, was severed. So, you know, they're, they're really injured and they start, you know, they, they're able to slightly recovery and Peterson starts fighting back. Callaway, you know, leaves the cockpit and before the crew had a chance to radio anyone, he came back in with a spear gun and he tells them, you know, to sit down and get back in their seat. Uh, and he says, this is a real gun. I'll kill you. That's a real spear gun. Oh, that's a spear gun. <laughs> yeah. But still well, a gun. I mean, that's still yeah. gonna, it's still going to hurt you. I and mean, these people have been already bludgeoned with hammers and this guy, you know, bursting yeah. in with a spear gun. So, so I guess the reason he didn't use an actual gun was because of danger of like puncturing the plane. Uh, could be. Uh, I don't know if there's ever really definitive proof. I think these are more mundane items. Like if someone sees him, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to go spear fishing or yeah, I'm just taking this stuff with me. If he's got a gun, you know, that's a lot more apparent well, what he's doing. They're, they're mundane issues, but you don't normally keep them in a guitar case. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's true. There's, there's some truth to there, but I think, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's very different to be carrying a spear gun versus a gun. Yeah. Uh, so Peterson, who's the flight engineer, you know, has blood rushing down his head from his severed temporal artery. Uh, he's barely able to make out the spear gun that's inches away from his face. So he grabs the spear gun and throws himself at Callaway to try to disarm him. Uh, the captain then got up to try to assist the flight engineer. So that left First Officer Tucker in control of the plane, but he's really struggling. Uh, he couldn't move his right arm. Uh, the injuries to his skull had brought on paralysis to the right side of his body, so he could only use his left arm and his left leg. Shit. So uh, he was a former Navy pilot, so he actually tried to execute some maneuvers with the plane to, to disorient the attacker, to disorient Callaway. Like, wait, maneuvers with the plane? Yeah, so he actually did some really crazy things with the plane. So, like, do a does, barrel roll. <laughs> I mean, essentially, he did. So, what he did was he quickly pulled back on the yoke and he made the plane climb. And of course, since everyone else is on their feet, you know, they all fall back. And so they, you know, they begin they they fall out of the cockpit and they're still struggling and you know, kind of in the in that little area behind the cockpit in the plane. Then he begins rolling the aircraft to the left and he banks it to 140 degrees, which is almost completely upside down. Holy shit. Like 180 degrees would be completely upside down. So they're at 140 degrees. Uh, and planes aren't supposed to bank past 60 degrees. And even 60 degrees would be extremely uh, crazy, right? That's yeah. way out of spec. The plane is definitely not meant to be rolled that far. And they're, they're going really fast. I think at this point, you know, they're going uh, over 500 miles an hour. And at this point, the three who were fighting, they're, they're pinned to the ceiling because the plane's practically upside down and they're fighting. Uh, and, and again, you know, Callaway managed to strike Captain Sanders in the head again. So then Tucker, who's flying the plane, sends the plane into a nosedive to try to get, you know, disorient him and get everyone pinned up against the back wall. And he starts nosediving so quickly that the flight control services, like the elevators, begin fluttering and become unresponsive because it's, you know, again, testing the limits of the plane. Man, this is like a movie scene. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's like crazy. If you saw this in a movie, you'd be like, oh, there's no way. That, that, that couldn't happen. That seems impossible. Yeah. It sounds like a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> it does sound like a Mission Impossible. Well, while he's diving, Tucker realizes that the reason he's going so fast is the plane is still at full throttle. And so what he does is he has to reach over. Remember, he only has one hand. So he has to take his, work, his one working hand off of the flight controls to reach over and pull the power on the engines back down to idle. 
and then put his hand back on the controls to try to pull the plane out of a dive. And then in the back seat, not the back seat, but the back of the plane, everyone's just like trying to fight and also stand up without right, falling over. Yeah, I mean, when they're, they're in that dive, you know, those everyone's probably pinned up against the back of the plane at that point, uh, unable to move because... You know they're they're going so fast they have you know so many g's of pressure pushing them back it becomes very difficult for them to move so tucker you know is finally able to put on his headset and contacts air traffic control and you know lets them know that there's an attempted takeover and he's you know he has to go back to memphis and he requests ambulances and armed intervention right away you know the swat team he wants ambulances and the swat team to meet him on the runway so air traffic control you know gives him a vector and clears him to descend down to about five thousand feet and, you know, while all this is going on, they're still fighting in the back. You know, Callaway managed to strike uh-huh. Sanders again. But finally, the Captain Sanders managed to grab the hammer and then he starts attacking Callaway with it. Yeah. So Sanders, you know, yells to Tucker to put the plane on autopilot because he needs help. You know, he, had, he needs Tucker to come back and help him. So Tucker gets up. So then Sanders goes and sits down to take control of the plane and brought it back to Memphis. Wait, so... So they swapped. They swapped. They're like, all right, you, you, you tag in <laughs> right. for the Just fight. Like, yeah, it's like, uh, since there's two of them, right? You know, one of them uh, decides to fight for a bit, then go fly the plane. The other guy's like, all right, it's my turn to fight. Uh, so uh, Memphis had planned for the plane to come back on runway nine. But, you know, the plane is still loaded with full fuel tanks and super overweight for that runway. Uh-huh. So at the last second, Sanders requests uh, runway 36L. And he pulls a super sharp turn and lands the plane about 35,000 pounds overweight. So what happened? What about the the... FedEx dude, is he just incapacitated at this point? So yeah, I mean, Callaway continued to struggle during the descent, but he was restrained again by the time they landed. I mean, the whole time this is going on, it's it's just this back and forth battle where they're restraining him, then he's managing to break out and, you know, gets the upper hand. It's just constant, nonstop the entire time. So, uh, you know, eventually they do manage to land and uh, emergency personnel board the plane. And, you know, by their firsthand reports, they report that the cockpit is covered in blood and gore all around. It's like it's all up on the ceiling, too, since they were rolling around in the plane. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I bet. And he also was smashing with a hammer. Right. Like, yeah, he's, he's hitting them in the head with a hammer trying to kill them. Man. So uh, Callaway, you know, is handcuffed and arrested, which, you know, just leaves you to wonder, why was he doing this? You know, what, what was his motivation <laughs> to, to, to try to kill the crew and you know affect the the plane while he's on it yeah maybe he hates ups and i don't know or fedex or fedex before we get into what happened a word from our sponsors being stuck at home these days you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network you just fire up incognito mode on your browser and no one can see what you're doing right wrong even in incognito mode your online activity can still be traced even if you clear your browsing history your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited that's why even when at home you should never go online without using expressvpn expressvpn makes sure that your internet service provider can't see what sites you visit instead your internet connection is rerouted through expressvpn secure servers each expressvpn server has an ip address that's shared amongst thousands of users that means everything you do is anonymized and cannot be tracked back to you ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. You simply tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest, most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless more. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit our special link at expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown. You can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown. 
expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown to learn more. We have big news. Scoob's new movie is coming right to your home. Scoob reveals how lifelong friends Scooby and Shaggy first met and how they joined with young detectives Fred, Velma, and Daphne to form the famous Mystery Incorporated. Now with hundreds of cases solved and adventures shared, Scooby and the gang face their biggest, most challenging mystery ever. Scoob is available to own May 15th. Just go to watchscoob.com, select your favorite digital retailer. Uh, you can join hashtag Scoob Movie Night via the Twitter watch party Friday, May 15th at 5.30 p.m. Central, 3.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and if you're so inclined, you can do the hashtag Scoob Dance on TikTok, which is a trending TikTok dance, uh, which is a, approaching now 1 billion views. So get over there. Push it over the top. So, well, it turns out before this flight, uh, Auburn Calloway was actually under investigation by Federal Express uh, for falsifications on his original employment application. And they said that he had potentially falsified hundreds of hours of flight records because uh, Auburn Calloway himself was also a flight engineer uh, for FedEx. So Calloway was scheduled for a hearing on April 8th uh, on Memphis, which is the day after that this happened. Mm -hmm. So during this time, Calloway was also going through a divorce. And along with the weapons, uh, they found a letter he had written to his ex-wife that is referenced to as describing the author's apparent despair. So I guess what happened was he realized that he was most likely going to be fired and lose his FAA flight certification. Uh So he decided that what he would do is he would provide for his family by ending his life. So before the flight, he transferred $54,000 worth of securities and cashier's checks to his ex-wife and changed the beneficiaries on an accidental death and dismemberment policy in his life insurance that was worth about $2.5 million. So essentially, you know, he set up his ex-wife to be his beneficiary for his life insurance policy and uh, was going to try to stage an accident to make it look like he died on the job. That's so messed up. I mean, it's it's bad that you would want to kill yourself uh, to to provide for your family and, and get life insurance. But if you're going to kill a bunch of other people... Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrible. Uh, you know, because, of course, the reason he's doing this is because most insurance policies don't pay out for suicide. So he was trying to make it look like a workplace accident. You know, and that's why he had popped the cockpit voice recorder so there would be no record of what actually happened. Hmm. He would just make it look like the plane crashed with all of them on it. At this time, actually, Callaway had had his security clearances revoked by Federal Express because of the investigation, but he had still managed to get on the plane with his weapon. Because remember, this was pre-September 11th, so it wasn't unusual for employees to not get checked before getting on planes. Hmm. And, you know, and his plan, like I said, was to turn off the CVR, kill the crew, and the reason he'd used hammers was because it would look like they just got injured from the plane crash. It was all blunt force. And how would he have explained the harpoon? Well, th- th- then that would have just been... I think ideally he didn't want to use that, you know? I yeah. think that was that was just like for threat. Yeah. So he was going to try to crash the plane. And hopefully, in his mind, the crash and lack of evidence from the cockpit voice recorder would hide the hijacking and suicide and make it look like an accidental crash. So, you know, even though the CVR was turned back on, he probably would have only had to have flown the plane for another 30 minutes. That way the CVR would reset and there wouldn't be any struggle uh, recorded on it. Hmm. So there was actually another FedEx employee named Douglas Kinsey who was sharing an apartment with Callaway at the time. And he called the FBI after he learned about the attack because Kinsey had found a note uh, written by Callaway that had the names of the Flight 705 crew. And the FBI learned from other FedEx employees about the change in insurance policies and the letter that Callaway had. So the FBI searched Callaway's apartment, you know, found the note about Flight 705, the crew, a note listing all the weapons used in the attack, bank receipts. Basically, they found all the evidence that they needed. Well, uh, it was all right there. Did they not ask him whenever they arrested him? Like, what were you doing? Well, I'm sure, but it's like they, wa- they want to have the evidence, yeah, right? But they want to he... try to build as much of a case as possible. Yeah, but did he like admit to anything? Like, what did he 
say or was he just like yeah i was i was trying to kill them or like i'm sure i I don't know exactly what he said but i'm sure once he's presented with all the overwhelming evidence there's really not much you can say about it right so on august 11th 1995 calloway was found guilty of attempted murder and air piracy which apparently is that's a that's a thing i learned uh and he was given two consecutive life sentences without parole uh as this was you know a federal sentence yeah Calloway had pleaded insanity, but was unsuccessful. So maybe like you were asking, you know, what did he say? You know, maybe he was trying to plead insanity, but when faced with all this overwhelming evidence and obvious planning, it's a little difficult to try to argue that. Very premeditated. Right. Obviously very well thought out. And, you know, Calloway's actually still in prison out in uh, somewhere in Santa Barbara County in California. So the, the flight crew, they all sustained very serious injuries. I mean, if you can't imagine getting hit in the head with a hammer right and then the subsequent fighting <laughs> right yeah so the captain david sanders suffered multiple lacerations to his head uh, he had a stab wound on his right arm and he had a dislocated jaw his right ear was almost completely severed and had to be reattached via surgery man uh, first officer james tucker's skull was severely fractured and the paralysis to his right side of his body passed but he would have ongoing motor function impairments to his right arm and leg uh, he was also blinded in one eye because of this Damn. Uh, Flight engineer Andrew Peterson also suffered a skull fracture and a severed temporal artery. Unfortunately, none of them were ever allowed to fly commercially again, you know, due to the severity of their injuries. Oh, Uh, shit. So he like messed up their career. He did their careers. Yeah. I mean, they they can't do this anymore. Uh, Eventually in 2002, uh, First Officer James Tucker uh, returned to recreational flying and he flies small aircraft personally, but uh, he can't fly commercially. Oh my God. Did they get like workers comp or something for that? I, I'm, I, I don't know the specifics, but I'm sure they do. You know, that yeah. they got injured on the job, but I, I, I would I would hope that they would be taken care of by uh, their employer. Uh, so on May 26, 1994, the Airline Pilots Association uh, awarded the three of them the gold medal award for heroism, which is the highest award a civilian pilot can receive. Well, that's good. Yeah. And the plane itself, that DC-10, had $800,000 worth of damages. But believe it or not, that plane is still in service to this day. FedEx still flies it. And uh, I looked it up because I was curious. That plane was in Austin on March 10th. What? <laughs> so just a couple of weeks ago, it landed here. And now I'm kind of curious. Like, I want to keep track of it. Like, the next time it's uh, it's coming to Austin. Like, I almost want to go out, like, by the airport where you can watch the planes land and see if I can watch it land. Because it, it's, it's rare that, like, we're talking about a plane. We're talking about an incident here on this podcast. And you could still conceivably see this plane. Yeah, well, you, this was probably being researched while it was here. Yeah, right? it, it very well might have been. You could take one of those uh, black lights and be like, oh, yep, there's there's the splatters. Here's, the crime has been committed here. <laughs> I think they already know the crime was committed, Chris. <laughs> well, you know, just it'd be cool. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. That plane is currently in Memphis. It's probably getting loaded up to go on a, on a, on its next delivery flight. Yeah. So that's the story of uh, FedEx 705. It's pretty straightforward, you know, like I said, uh, you know, since everyone survived and we have very clear accounts of what happened, there's really no mystery to it. It's a very straightforward, this was a crime that happened and uh, this, this are, these are all the details. But still, I find it really interesting just because, you know, one, it's a FedEx flight and I feel like you don't hear about commercial freight yeah. incidents as often. It's not as high profile because, you know, there's not a bunch of passengers. Uh, but two, but also because of the extreme flight maneuvers that the plane was put through that, you know, seemingly would be impossible to do on a plane. Like yeah. you think about, did you ever see the movie Flight with Denzel Washington? Where, like, where at the beginning of the movie, he flies the plane upside down and you think, well, that's stupid. That wouldn't work. But, you know, here, here we are, this FedEx plane. 
uh, it was able to fly practically upside down. Yeah, that's that's wild. Did FedEx or or the, I don't know airports change any of their security or protocols because of this? I think uh, after this happened, there was a lot more emphasis on security with employees like this just getting on a plane. You know, I, I'm, I'm they're they're still allowed to, but I'm sure they're probably checked a lot more thoroughly by yeah. security at this point. Not only because of this, but you know everything's really different as well after September 11th. Yeah, check guitar cases for harpoons. <laughs> I remember once pre September 11th, I was uh, I was in Houston. I was living in Houston at the time, and uh, I was going to go. I was going to go pick up a friend of mine at Houston Intercontinental Airport, and uh, I had gone. I was going through security cause back then. You could go through security and meet someone at the gate. So I was going through security, and I had a pocket knife with me, like one of those Leatherman tools. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, the X-ray machine went off, and the security officer says, "You know, is this your is this your knife?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "I'm sorry, I forgot." I was like. I can go put it back in my car, but said, but I'm not flying. Is it okay if I just keep it with me? Like, I'm just going to meet someone and they're just going to pick them up. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> it's like, that would never happen anymore. So it's, yeah. it's, it's funny to think how different the world was back then versus, you know, the, the amount of security you see nowadays. I went on a flight with a knife, uh, about a year ago. Well, see, um, that's bad. That's bad, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was on an accident and it was a butter knife. Um, <laughs> that's a very important detail. Yeah. Well, I had put, uh, I had, uh, I don't know why I had a butter knife at work for something and I put it in my bag to take it home and uh, I forgot. And so I like got on a plane with my backpack with butter knife, went through security and then uh, got off the plane. And on my way back, they're like, sir, you have a knife in your bag. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I have no knife. Why would there be a knife in my bag? And they showed me the, the, uh, the little x-ray it's like oh yeah that's a knife <laughs> you're like well i didn't know that there might have been an emergency buttering situation <laughs> yeah all right well uh i think that about wraps this up um if this podcast is the kind of thing you like again make sure you subscribe make sure you tell a friend and uh, leave us a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen on and uh, we'll see you guys again next time thank you all out of black box down and looking for something else to listen to Check out the Rooster Teeth Podcast. It's a comedy show hosted by Gus, and I'm in it too, where we discuss gaming, films, the internet, and all sorts of weird, weird stuff. Just search for Rooster Teeth Podcast on Spotify or wherever you're listening now. You can even tell your smart devices like Google Home or Alexa to play it, so annoy everyone in your house all at the same time.